Welcome back to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I'm your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy. And as usual, you can always reach me at Chef Bride Comedy. That's Chef B-R-Y on the Instagram, on the Twitters, and on the Facebook. And today, ladies and gentlemen, this show, this topic, this episode is about living in emergency mode for too long. We have a tendency uh, in our culture to be like, work, 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 but we don't always understand what that does to people over time. It doesn't allow us to catch up. It doesn't allow us to, to heal. It doesn't allow us to feel right. And so we can get very, very screwed up over the years when we don't take care of our own mental and emotional health. And so living in emergency mode is something that I've grown too accustomed to and perhaps it's made me a little grumpy. Maybe it's made me a little callous. I I am a little bit of a crusty individual. Uh, But at the same time, I understand the need for sensitivity. I understand the need that we have to evolve. And I understand the need for kindness and positivity. And so I've got a bunch of mini topics in in here that are all interrelated. Uh, But I also want to talk about... uh, just recently I found out a dear friend of mine passed away and it got me all fucked up on the inside and so we'll talk about that uh, but yeah that's what this episode's about emergency mode I'm sure most of you guys out there are a little too accustomed to that uh, <laughs> a little too relatable I would imagine but um, don't worry we're gonna deconstruct it break it all down and uh, find ways to make emergency mode not feel quite so so harsh you know that's what this show's all about so grab yourself a beverage grab yourself a snack and let's begin well hey guys welcome to another episode of surviving empathy i am your host brian russell of chef bright comedy and today i'm coming to you a little bit uh forlorn you know i always said that i would um come correct that i whatever i was feeling in the moment i would do a show And uh, just give it to you guys straight. And, you know, not every day can we be full of love and cheer. Um, And a weird thing happens when you're in a good mood. Um, We tend to believe in things a little bit more. We tend to believe in faith a little bit more. We tend to believe in magic and mysticism and the uh, mysterious uh, ways of the cosmos just a little bit more than usual. And then when we get into a bad mood... It's like, oh, God, you know. Uh, So let me kind of deconstruct and explain to you why I'm feeling this way. Um, So yesterday was a weird day for me, um, uh, spiritually speaking, because um, I was sitting there just minding my own business, uh, doing my thing, and then all of a sudden I got this uh, odd flash of um somebody from my past that i haven't talked to in over 15 years well 2007 however long that is and um his name is emidio and he used to be a dear friend and um i'd like to say we had a falling out what we had was is i'll go into it but it, it belays the, the 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 point that uh, I cared about this person. So, anyways, I, I just like, oh wow, I haven't thought of him in a long time, and so uh, just it, I can't explain it, but I just had this uh, empathic, psychic n- knowledge that I had to immediately Google him, 
and figure out what's going on because I don't have his contact information anymore. And so I, I looked him up and the only thing I could find was something from GoFundMe, but um, I found out that he passed away in late 2020 and it wasn't from COVID, but what he did die of is um, a condition called interstitial lung disease. And, um, and then the only other thing I could find, I couldn't find his obituary. I couldn't find anything else. Um, I found this uh, Facebook page of where he worked in Riverside. And the very last entry uh, said that we're, we're cleaning up the place uh, to make this place safe for our customers. Something to that effect. Now, yes, it could have been completely unrelated. Yes, it could be something COVID related, but I have this sneaking suspicion that there's uh, there's a relationship there between his place of work and uh, his interstitial lung disease. And um, perhaps they had asbestos in the building. I don't know. I'm not sure. It, there's, I can only speculate. Um, but it was just an odd feeling. It was the weirdest thing because, I mean, I've always been a little bit psychic, a little bit empathically sensitive to the universe. Um, I, but I'm just curious why it took me so long to, to figure this out. You know, um, a part of me believes that um, we open ourselves up to psychic ability um, by having certain kinds of days. Uh, sometimes we can just tap into this thing uh, better than other days because um, uh, based on the mood we're feeling and based on the the conditions have to be met, the conditions have to be right. And I can't tell you what that is per se um, because I don't quite understand it all myself. I've always just sort of had this, but um, not to make it about myself, but um, the truth of the matter is, is that I'm missing him. Um, you know, he, he and I met uh, at in Reading, uh, in a time where uh, I was working at Sears and uh, we worked together um, in the warehouse there and we got to be really good friends and, and that friendship that blossomed at Sears turned into a um, pretty close friendship. And then um, he, um, you know, he came out to me one time as bisexual and uh, I was like, I've changed in front of you. What? You're not trying to, you know, but yeah, that was a different me. Uh, but but it, we, I wasn't upset, but it was just, uh, I, I couldn't believe he was uh, bisexual because uh, I had always known him to be uh, with a girl. You know, he had this girlfriend that he'd been with for a long time. And um, it just was like, what? Okay. Um, but I didn't care. You know, uh, by then I knew the guy and I didn't care. Why would I care about that? You know, even back then, doesn't matter to me um, because he was a, a good guy. Um, but then, you know, uh, I ended up leaving that job and he ended up leaving that job. And then um, he ended up moving down to L.A. I ended up moving down to the Central Coast. And um, we kind of went a long time where we didn't talk to each other. And then um, uh, about 2007, I was going through some stuff. Uh, spiritually speaking. <clears throat> and uh, I called him and we caught up. And um, we, we um, it, during culinary school, uh, when I was down in Pasadena, he'd come over 
several times. We'd go out to eat and he'd stay the night sometimes because we'd have too many margaritas. <laughs> so, but it was just one of those friendships that was just sort of, um, very natural. And, um, I don't know, just, he was a, he was a good guy, you know, and I've just been thinking a lot about him and, um, seeing him on that, uh, GoFundMe page hooked up to these intubation tubes. He, he looked God awful. Apparently he needed an entire lung transplant and, uh, they were trying to save money so he could do that. The, the, his family, and, uh, he was going to have to get whisked off from LA to the Bay area. And uh, apparently he didn't make it that far. And I just feel awful because, you know, I, I've, you know, there's been a handful of times where I've lost friends and people I knew from school and, uh, it's never easy, you know, but especially when it's a close friend, it just hits you all the harder. Um, and, uh, it just put me in a rut, you guys. It put me in a rut. And uh, I want to explain what that rut is because I've had situational depression for as long as I can remember. Um, the reason why I call it situational is because I don't believe I have a chemical imbalance. You know, I exercise a lot. Uh, that seems to help a lot with my anxieties and depressions. Um, uh, and every time I've tried meds, it just it, it overcorrected and it made me anxious and made me feel weird. And so... I just got used to the idea that I was going to have to handle this holistically. And that's what I did. And it, for the most part works. Um, but that brings me to my next topic and I'll tell you when I get there, what that is. But, um, but I just, I, I, I'm, it, it made me feel that life isn't magical. You know, I talk so much about positivity and hope on this channel. I talk so much about um, the power of um, being an empath, you know. And um, and so sometimes, though, life can be so tragically transactional, so tragically real, that it, it, it makes all those warm, fuzzy, tender feelings and all those uh, beliefs about magic and mysticism and spirituality and God sort of feels sort of flaccid, if you will, for a time, you know, it, it just, it, it, it challenges your, it challenges your beliefs and it challenges your faith, not necessarily in God, but yes, God too, but it challenges your beliefs in, um, the natural order of life, the cosmic the greater cosmic significance and power of life. I'd like to think that empaths and psychics have this ability to um, sort of tap into the ether, this otherworldly uh, energy uh, that, that I can't really explain, but uh, I've had several glimpses, if you will, behind the curtain to that world um, in, in various Forms. And uh, I always knew that there was something more to life than just the physical, but but I never could get to the point where I believe that there's a soul and that, you know, that there's some great cosmic meaning and there's this great battle between good and evil and God is on our side. I just, I wanted to, I, I even as a Christian, I just couldn't find it in me to believe in those things. Um, even though as an empath, I know that there's something to being an empath, that 
it's it's a sixth sense and that sixth sense informs my brain that there it's not magic but there is there we're definitely wired for something other than simply just having basic physical functions you know there's something greater there going on and i can't quite explain it and that's what this podcast is all about is trying to get to the bottom of what it is what is out there what's what is there is there a um is there a a, a world between worlds if you will is there a neither world or an ether out there uh is that the ghost plane is there a different plane of consciousness that we can tap into and that's what uh helps uh, psychics and empaths uh uh, kind of informs our thinking, informs our abilities, if you will. Um, I can't explain it all. I don't know. Um, but something about hearing about his death, um, it's not the first time I've dealt with it. And um, it was really upsetting. And um, the first thing I think of when I think of that is just how harsh just how transactional, just how ruthless this world can feel, um, where it just doesn't feel like the magic is happening. You know, we like to, you know, when we go into a job interview, we like to believe that there's some special power behind us, that maybe perhaps God is behind us, perhaps perhaps there's some uh, power of positivity or magical, mystical thing going on there. But at the end of the day, you don't get the job because the universe is trying to bestow to you this destiny. I truly believe you get the job because you luck out because some guy or some woman, um, you know, hires you. They're the decision makers. And, uh, I call those people gatekeepers. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, I don't want to give up on the on knowledge and understanding that this world and this life is definitely greater than just uh, being crude animals living this transactional living. Uh, there is something more there, but I don't know always to what extent. I just know that I have this empathic ability, and it informs my thinking about what other... Um, supernatural things are out there, you know, uh, like portals or uh, the paranormal and all that. But um, that's why they're kind of interconnected is because I believe um, they're things that can't be proven by science, but they're there. And we know they're there, or at least we empaths know they're there. Skeptics would, would doubt that, but you know, that's, that's what they are. They're skeptics. They, they're skeptical about everything. Um, where was I going? I was gonna. Uh, I said I was gonna tell you later. Um, so for whatever reason, um, this feeling of dread washed over me when I found out that he'd passed, and it was just so creepy uh, to feel to see him the way that way because he always was so funny and funny, fun and full of life, and to see him on his deathbed just shook me to the core, and it. Um, it made me not only appreciate my life and health, but it also sort of put me in this rut again. Um, you know, and I, I talk about uh, living in emergency mode, and we're going to talk about that again uh, soon here. But um, it just, an image popped into my head 
Um, for, for those of you who don't know, we have a lot of stray cats around here in the mobile home park. And one in particular is named Blackie because he's black. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't overthink it because there was a whitey too. <laughs> and he's passed, he's passed on. But, um, we call him that because we had a gray one and we call him gray. You know, it's, just, it's simple. They're outdoor cats. We don't, you know, we don't name them the way we name our indoor pets. So that's, that's all that is. But, um, it reminded me that Blackie came back recently in the, in the past couple of weeks and he's coming around again. Now we hadn't seen him for seven or eight months. And so he's finally coming back around. I was like, Oh my God. Wow. There's Blackie and he's skittish again. So we're going to have to rebuild that trust again, but it's really nice to have him back. But the point I'm making is that life is mostly not magical, that it's mostly just transactional. And what I, and, and with cats and pets in general and animals in general, I got this feeling of how cats, uh, outdoor ferals, they go where opportunities is, just like we do. We, where there's opportunity, we flock. We flock to opportunity. Um, we always flock to where there's the most ample opportunity. We are a creature uh, that, you know, uh, a lot of times we're just all hanging on to the lowest hanging fruit, and we, we flock there because we can get there. It's attainable. There's food for today and there's food for tomorrow and in this case food is like spiritual or emotional nutrition something that feeds our soul maybe it could be financial opportunities or whatever but it just got me thinking about cause and effect and that grim grueling reality that we get sick and we die and there is no cosmic justice to it there is no magic to it it just is and I got to thinking about how cats and stray dogs and cats um, simply go where uh, there's resources. They simply do what they have to do. They freeze their little ass off in the winter. Um, and, uh, they, you know, the poor things, you know, these deer animals, they they freeze their little ass off out there in the winter. And it, it, it greatly reduces their life expectancy. Um, but at the end of the day, they... Um, it, it proves that when you think about them and the way they hunt for and scavenge, um, it makes you realize just how uh, transactional life is, just how grueling it is. And you think about all the people who, who, for no reason, just get sick and die, you know, people who are generally healthy. And it makes you not only realize how short life is, but it also helps you to realize also how fucking cruel life is how un that all the beautiful kind uh, sentiments in the world can't always um change the fact that some people get cancer some people get lung disease some people just get sick and die regardless of your beliefs and regardless of how good or bad you are as a person and we tend to put so much weight and effort into you know uh, deservedness Oh, well, he was deserving of longevity because like Betty White, for example, you know, we just found out that Betty White passed away and a lot of us believe, oh, well, Betty White made it to, you know, she was going to make it to Hunter because she's a great person. She's a nice person. She's a kind person. She represents what's good in all of us, you know, and so, oh, she's going to make it January 17th. It's just around the corner. And then she fucking died 
three weeks before her birthday, man. And for me, that was a perfect analogy for life that you can wish all you want, but at the end of the day, the world's going to do what it's going to do. And, um, you know, she was the best of the best. She was the best in all of us. And, um, I would have loved to see her make it to a hundred because I believe that milestone, um, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking would have been very gratifying for our culture. Um, much like, you know, George Burns made it to a hundred and we're like, it just feels right. You know, it feels good when good people make it to a hundred and that milestone would have satisfied some part of our soul, you know, but it is what it is. She had a good long life. She was a great human being and a, a, she'll be missed. I, I, I liked her. She was a good egg. If you ever want to watch something fun, go watch Lake Placid. She swears up a storm in that, uses the F-bomb a hundred times. It's it's a lot of fun <laughs> because it's so against type because she's so pleasant in real life. But um, <clears throat> the point is, is that um, I miss my friend and it really got me down. And I just, I, I got a few topics here I want to talk about that are all sort of interrelated to uh, deriving a greater spiritual and emotional and supernatural satisfaction out of life. You know, skeptics, the skeptical community, um, they love poo-pooing anything they can't understand right away. And um, for all intents and purposes, <clears throat> they're probably right most of the time, you know. We can't depend on magic. We can't depend on mysticism. We can't depend on the cosmos for as mysterious as it is, to come through for us. Um, at the end of the day, when I go on a job interview, I'm not getting the job because I have some inherent worth that the universe recognizes and, and bestows upon me. I'd like to believe that, and I try to believe that. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is um, some person, some gatekeeper, uh, has access to whether or not we succeed or fail. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit here. So just to wrap up my my love and fondness for my friend, uh, Emidio, you will be so missed, and I am so sorry that you passed away. And um, I loved you. I love you. Um, there's a falling out story there. I'll tell it real quick. Um, so he was starting a new – he's a hairdresser, and um, – he was starting a brand new practice and um, he had a brand new business Facebook page. And I said something kind of marijuana paraphernalia related. It was very obscure. Most people wouldn't have even gotten it. I don't remember the exact words, but I was saying something to that effect. And he got real pissed because he was afraid that his customers or uh, soon to be customers would uh, find out that he smokes pot and uh, it would, you know, give him a bad reputation. He just went off on me and uh, he ended our friendship over it. And I tried to tell him, I called him. I said, listen, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. It was, I was just, it was a spur of the moment thing. It was an impulse uh, decision and I did it and I feel bad and I'm sorry. And I would never do anything to um, fuck you up or to sabotage you in any way. I, I care about you and I made a mistake and I just, I want you to forgive me. You know, but he didn't. And that was the end of our friendship. And uh, I've talked about how a lot of times uh, falling outs uh, aren't so much 
what you do, it's it's where they're at and where their head's at, you know? So sometimes you don't always know a person. But that being said, it doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, detract from how bad I feel about his passing because he was a good dear friend and I loved him and and so Emilio, rest in peace, sir. I love you and um, you were a good good man. So there you have it. Um, so talking about gatekeepers, um, I don't want to go too much into the cynical territory of life. But at the end of the day, a lot of times we believe good things happen to us because Jesus is on our side. God is on our side. Uh, Cosmic justice, karma, whatever you want to attribute it to. We just have this tendency to believe that, well, when I'm a good person, good things happen to me. And, um, and sometimes that's proven. We see how success uh, seems to happen to people who are more positive, people who are more healthy and fit, people who work hard. And um, I use this analogy, the rock. Take the rock. I like the rock. He's a good guy. But that motherfucker can't act his way out of a paper bag. And so why is he successful? He's successful because he's charismatic He's successful because he's attractive and he's successful, I think, because he represents American values, which is hard work, good morals and ethics, a can-do attitude. And, and because he works out so much, he, we see proof of his hard work and that work ethic. And that, that work ethic, I believe, is, is what makes us uh, sort of accept him. You know, but a lot of times people think, oh, it's because it's because of his, you know, it factor. You know, that's why he's successful. But I really do believe the reason why he's successful is because he's charismatic and he appeals to our uh, positive sensibilities and he appeals to our sense of good work ethic. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Um, But let's talk about gatekeepers. Gatekeepers are our bosses gatekeepers are our legislators gatekeepers are anybody who is making decisions on our success or failure and we tend a lot of times in life to you know attribute it to god or attribute it to um the universe or karma or whatever and when i'm feeling at my most skeptical I, I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry, you guys, but success comes not always to those who deserve it, but success comes to those who appeal to our sensibilities. And sometimes that isn't always so good. I mean, I see people wildly successful who ethically are not very good people or people who don't work very hard or People who really haven't paid their dues and boom, there they are in success. And, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but that we tend to reward beauty. We tend to reward perfect symmetry. We tend to reward muscles and boobies, uh, uh, over, uh, intellectual content, artistic creativity. And so, uh, well, we'll just finish it here. I was going to talk about it later, but I just believe you guys that. Uh, good people, hardworking people, people who've paid their dues deserve success. 
And am I talking about myself here? Maybe a little bit, but at the end of the day, I want to earn your trust. I want to earn your, uh, I want to be liked by you because I earn it, because I show you guys that I'm trying to put out thoughtful content, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I told Rebecca, like, maybe I need to be like, you know, kind of like these, um, self-help gurus, the Jay Shetties and all the Tony Robbins of the world. They annoy me because it always feels like the richest, most successful people, um, are always talking about how positive they are and how we need to see the world. And we just all eat that shit up and we, we fail to realize that they shit in the same, they shit in the toilet the same way we do, you guys. At the end of the day, you guys, I mean, I'm not telling you, you know, there's anything wrong with self-help. I mean, in and of itself, I think that's a good thing. In fact, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is be a influencer, a motivational speaker, self-help guru of, of sorts. Um, but I'm a realist. And I just tend to believe that the happiest people tend to already have success. They already seem to have it all put together. And, and, and so it's easy for them to come across well put together when they already have it put together, when they already have enough money to succeed. Maybe they were born into wealth. I, I tend to believe that a lot of them were just born into circumstances that uh, where they never really had to be challenged for real. And uh, and so at the end of the day, you, you guys, that's what I mean about supporting underdogs. Support the people who started out poor. Support the people who need an extra leg up. Support the people who are putting out good content, not because they have everything put together and they're, they have all the resources, but those who are putting out good content and are trying to be good people despite their lacking in resources, despite their lacking in, um, you know, a perfect, uh, perfect set of circumstances, you know, um, like here, for you guys, I'm not trying to come at you with good mental health as somebody with good mental health all the time. I'm coming at you with good mental health despite the fact that I have real problems. And so I wanted to talk. Okay, so gatekeepers, finishing that off. We're all, this world is ran by gatekeepers. It's kind of like when an economy crashes. Oh, we, we blame you know, the economy, you know, we're, oh, we blame it on, you know, oh, that's just the way it goes. No, people had to make bad decisions and do unethical things for the economy to crash. And so at the end of the day, you guys, is that we like to attribute all these things to the cosmos or God, when at the end of the day, there's a person involved in that decision. People who make the right choices make better economies. People who make the right ethical decisions in companies and corporations tend to treat their employees better. Um, people who get jobs, sometimes they get the job because they're deserving. Other times they get the job because there's some person there that they've glamored or tricked, uh, if you will, into that position. And so a lot of times uh, we can glamour people into hiring us because of our beauty or we can, you know, we, we tend to butter them up or we tend to um, appeal to their egos. And at the end of the day, gatekeepers are what make this world. If we want a better world, we have to create better gatekeepers. 
So that's all I'll say about that, because I don't know if we can ever get rid of them, but we can certainly force them and try to get them to appeal to our values, not the other way around. Okay. So I want to talk about um, living in emergency mode. Um, for the vast majority of my life, I've lived in emergency mode, and I have a sneaking suspicion a lot of you guys have too. And, and living in emergency mode, sure, it can build character. Sure, it can make you more appreciative of the little things. Sure, it can uh, help you uh, find positivity and hope. And um, it's, it tends to make people more spiritual or, or religious. Um, because at the end of the day, when you lose hope, you, you, you seek to find hope. And so hard times create more religion. And that's not accidental. <laughs> it's because when people lose hope, they have nowhere else to turn. And so they turn to organized religion. And then uh, oftentimes their lives improve because they find community. Community has this tendency to make us feel better. And we have people to relate to. And so at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything wrong with that inherently. But I just want you guys to realize, you know, don't get it twisted. The reason why good things happen to people a lot of the times is because of blind luck or because of um, maybe they started out with money already. Maybe they have good looks. Maybe they have a killer body. Um, you know, it's, it's not an accident that all these beautiful busty babes on Instagram have 164,000 followers they didn't get popular because they're putting out intellectually good content. They're they're getting followers because there's a bunch of horny males out there who are like, dang. And while I never, never shame women for that, because I think, you know, I, I kind of came around on it. You know, part of me was like, well, that seems to be a cheap way of finding popularity. I'd much rather get to know your mind and your creative content than than to know your um, physical assets. But, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it does empower them. And if it empowers them, I say more power to them because I'm not about shaming people sexually. In fact, I have a whole episode coming up about sexuality uh, coming in the next um, uh, week or so. But uh, we'll talk about that later. But at the end of the day, I just I want people to succeed based on merit. I want people to succeed based on truth and, and reality. Um, because if you really think about it, image and I mean, there's entire jobs where people are brand consultants, image consultants, so that people come off the right way in order to attain success. And, you know, there's just something very cheap about that to me because it tells me, well, most human beings are just superstitious and dumb and don't have very good intuition. And so if you just, you know, polish your rough exterior, you'll, you'll find success and to, you know, practice perfect speech and talk about positivity. In other words, what it does is it, it negates the human experience of ups and downs. We all have these ups and we all have these downs. And sometimes for me, you guys, as a realist, I can't come to you guys unless I've experienced both the positive and the negative. And so never discount um, negativity because negativity, um, 
does a work in our lives the same way positivity does. Oftentimes we need to experience negative things, um, not just negativity like poverty or, or uh, you know, inequality, but I mean internally. When we think negative thoughts, sometimes that helps us process our feelings. We get mad, we get frustrated, we get angry, and we're able to process that stuff and then turn the page into something more positive. And so, um, please do not uh, kill the messenger. Do not shoot the messenger when somebody's coming to you correct, uh, even if it's inherently negative, because you know what? Sometimes people need to be a little cynical and jaded. Sometimes people need to be a little negative and be a little irreverent for a while. Um, you know, I truly believe that the most positive people are those who have gone through the most hardships because they understand. They understand the value of positivity because they've experienced most of their life negativity. And so getting back to... Um, so, so gatekeepers, we're done with that. Moving on, uh, living in emergency mode. Um, most you of you guys probably know this all too well. We work regular jobs. We have regular lives. There's nothing sort of blessed or sacred about it. It's just transactional living. You go to work, you punch a clock, you put in your time, and you get a paycheck out of it. And while that's not always a bad thing necessarily, uh, living in emotion, uh, uh, living in emergency mode, uh, can really do something to you. It can really fuck you up, uh, in the long term. And that's why when I started this podcast, I wanted to come correct. I wanted to be able to talk about the good and the bad and the negative. I wanted to be able to be both optimistic and pessimistic so that you guys can see the full range, the full spectrum of emotion. As it really is, because if I have to always watch who I am and always watch what I'm saying, that means that you guys are judgmental of me. And what gives you guys the right to judge me? You don't live in my life. You don't know my hardships and vice versa. I don't know your hardships. And so we should always give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, um, that doesn't mean that we should be negative all the time. Just that um, we we need negativity to process our emotions and process our grief and process our hardships so that we eventually arrive at a place of positivity and hope, you know. But it doesn't come naturally. It's not a supernatural thing. It's a process that we go through to better ourselves and our lives, you know. But um, emergency mode, man, is really the, the silent killer in America and in the world, if I'm being honest, because you're always coming, you're always getting ready for work in a hurry. You know, I'll use my mom as an example. I watched my mom. She was a banker and she's retired now, but she was a banker for 30 years or more, 30 something years. Um, and um, the truth of the matter is, is that I watched her get up every single day and curl her hair with the curl iron, and blow dry her hair, and put on makeup, and get dressed in her nicest clothes, and go to work, and be there at 8.30 every fucking morning for as long as I can remember. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but you guys, at the end of the day, you know what she got out of it? <sighs> she certainly didn't get a retirement out of it. Um, in the last remaining years of her life, she did make bank manager, and I'm very proud of her for that. 
Um, but this woman came in, uh, they had, uh, her bank, her uh, credit union was going under a reconstruction. They were uh, being bought out by a different, uh, uh, bank. And, um, this woman came in kind of like, uh, office space where they have consultants <laughs> and they, they basically, you know, figure out who's worthy and who isn't to, to be fired and who stays on. Right. Well, that's what this woman was. She was a manager who was brought in for the express purpose of getting rid of all of the higher paid employees so that they could hire part-time college kids and exploit these kids so they could earn a profit. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to um, lower their bottom line, you know. Um, and I find that so fucking soulless because it's one thing when people retire and then you replace those people with, you know, cheaper labor or something. But when you literally seek to make life and their work life so difficult that you're forcing people to quit, um, that's what happened. And uh, it worked on many, many people. Some of my mom's good friends who worked there uh, quit. They're like, fuck this bitch. I'm, I am not dealing with this. This woman is abusive. She is a sociopath. Fuck her. And so they quit. It just, you know, some people could afford to quit. My mom couldn't. And so she put up with this shit for months and months, months, and she wouldn't quit. She wouldn't relent. And then one day she got so upset. Her, she was so rattled by this woman that, um, she fell and she, 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 she was injured at work. And that injury eventually gave way to finding out that she has fibromyalgia and she eventually retired. But the point is, you guys, is that fuck a whole bunch of this woman. There are so many hateful people out there running all of our corporations, running our systems, running our jobs. And that has a tendency to have that. Like I said, when you, when you energize the world with greed, with selfishness, with hateful views, um, you force society to have to, uh, acquiesce to that and then we become selfish we become spiteful we become hateful because we have to protect our own interests you know and so at the end of the day again that's kind of like a gatekeeper my mom did not fail she was let down by a system that was 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 methodically trying to excise her from the equation so they could save a few dollars and that to me, you guys, I understand it happens sometimes. And I understand some of you guys are like, well, that's business. But you know what? There's a human cost to that business. And I find that fucked. Um, so I do not consider myself a negative person. I actually consider myself quite positive. Most of you guys who've been listening to the show regularly know that the whole point of this show is kindness and positivity, and hope, um, but it, we don't get there automatically. We get there through trials and tribulations. We get there through a process, and so, yeah, every once in a while, I'll get into a rut, um, because at the end of the day, the magic doesn't feel like it's there. You know, we're all sitting waiting for our ship to come in, hoping and praying that something good happens, but sometimes, you guys, um, I'm not saying change your uh, religious or spiritual views, but sometimes you guys, good happens because we make it happen, not because 
of, of the cosmos, not because of some cosmic reason. Sometimes when we wait for the magic and mysticism to happen in our lives, uh, years and years can go by where nothing fucking happens. And if that ain't proof that the world is transactional and unrelenting and unforgiving, then I don't know what is. And I don't think that's uh, negative to say that. I think it's realistic. There's, you know, there's a vast difference between uh, pessimism and realism. And so I'm not a pessimist. I do believe that magical, cool, awesome things can happen. I do believe that we can attune ourselves to energetically to the positivity of the universe and we can help people and we can grow as a community and we can do really wonderful, great things when we uh, focus our energy uh, on each other and helping each other and also really frankly, putting a lot of energy into our own success. We have to be a little selfish nowadays, unfortunately. And I've talked about selfishness in the past. And yes, I wish we had a culture that was just a little bit less selfish. But I think in capitalism, we're all, it's sink or swim, bitch. And we're all sitting there drowning. And so at the end of the day, a lot of us don't have a lot of extra uh, time and energy to devote to uh, helping others and so while um I, I think that that's natural and there's nothing wrong with that um i would just advise you guys to try try to fucking have a little bit of of, of time and energy for others um that could be you know a, a hobo on the street where you give them you know a, some a meal or some food or uh, that guy or woman at at work who um uh, nobody seems to be taking to, to because they're new or because they're shy or because they're awkward. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, that we should help the creeps out. If there's creepy weirdos there, you know, they're on their own, buddy. But um, at the end of the day, you want to help where you can help. I honest, honestly believe that when you do that, you um, positive, positively align yourself with the universe. And um, it tends to build... Um, a good framework for a positive life and positive thinking and positive success and positive outcomes. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's magic. It's kind of like religion. Why do good things happen to those who become religious? Well, is it supernatural or is it just that you've now found a community of people who help you? <laughs> so how much of that is supernatural? I honestly don't know. Maybe some of it, but I, I don't believe at the end of the day, when you really, 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 really get real about shit, I believe life is grueling. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, going back to that analogy about cats outside, you know, some dogs scavenge and they find pay dirt. They find their golden bone, if you will, and some uh, dogs scavenge and they find nothing, you know, and they starve. And so at the end of the day, is that because one dog was more deserving of another dog? I don't believe that to be the case. But it, it, sometimes it's just random chance, luck, you know, and at the, at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to increase our luck by increasing our chances of success. And, and, and so there's nothing wrong with positivity. There's nothing wrong with hope. There's nothing wrong with spirituality and religion. Um, but is it supernatural? I don't know. It could just be that we're, you know, getting, we're becoming a part of something more positive. And as we do that, we make more friends. And as we make connections, we tend to find more opportunities. So 
and we find more hope because we have a community of people who we can talk to. So I don't know how supernatural that is. I'm not saying it's that there isn't a supernatural work being done there, but you guys, at the end of the day, don't depend on it, man, because thoughts and prayers don't usually end well for most people. You have to put in the work. When you put in the work and you put in the effort, then and only then will the good things happen. And I mean, that's like the old saying, God helps those who help themselves. And um, how much of that is God? I don't know. Um, I tend to believe none of it, but you know, uh, I want to believe. I, I want, want, want to believe that that when we put a work in ourselves, when we grow as a person, when we continually assess ourselves and change and grow and improve and better ourselves, uh, that the universe, uh, at least in part, recognizes that and um, perhaps likes to send opportunities our way. But how much of that is supernatural? I don't know. Probably none, but I'm a hopeful person. So I hope that there is a supernatural work being done to us, but I just don't know. I just don't know. So at the end of the day, living in emergency mode, um, you know, you negate your own um, enrichment. You negate your own improvement. You negate a lot of, you have to, you you become neglected and abused because we're living in a culture that forces us every day. Wake up, go to work, do this, do this, do this, punch in. Oh, you're late for work. Oh, you're, you're late for, from coming back from lunch. You're in trouble now. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that breakneck pace, uh, may work just fine when you're 20 to 30, but when you're getting to be 50, 55, 60 years old, uh, I got a problem with that. You have to eventually find uh, an off-ramp into something more personal, more pleasurable, more positive, and uh, something that really makes you feel like you're doing something really um, personally gratifying with your life that's helping the world in some way or at least helping yourself in some positive, appreciable way. So that's what I'll say about that. Living in emergency mode um, is why you guys... Uh, I, I can be a little bit crusty. I can be a little bit irreverent. You know, like I said, I'm one part Mr. Rogers, positive, kind, um, decent. Uh, but I'm also one part uh, George Carlin, irreverent. And I'm one part Anthony Bourdain, worldly but sardonic. <laughs> so, uh, But what are you going to do? Okay, so I've got a bunch of many topics here that are all kind of interconnected. Um, I have written here, women seem wicked when you're alone. Um, that, uh, I'm not talking about that specifically. I, I'm just using that as an example that when you're alone, when you're alone in your depression, when you're alone in your life, when people aren't coming around, the world does tend to seem more wicked. Um, because when we're dying on the inside, we want people to notice you know, it's like when my cat, you know, when I get depressed, my cat always seems to notice. She'll come up, hey, what's up, dad? And we want, we kind of hold people to that expectation. And while maybe we shouldn't, we can't help it because at the end of the day, we're all kind of kids inside. Our inner child wants to believe that people can notice who we are for real and be able to differentiate our happiness from our sadness. And when we're down, we want to, to believe that people um, can recognize that and step up in a time of need, you know. And so at the end of the day, um, it, it really 
the world can really feel like a, a, a negative place when we're not succeeding, when we're putting, we're paying our dues and we're doing everything right and we're just not seeing dividends. We're just not seeing payoff. And so at the end of the day, uh, what I would say, you guys, is um, yes, try to appreciate the little things. Yes, try to count your blessings. Um, but there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of an attitude when things aren't paying out. I think that's what really makes us sort of go to the next level of effort. You know, when, you know, a starving person, when they put another notch in their belt, uh, too much starving, you give up, you know, you just die in the street. But when you're starving, when you're hungry and you're just the right amount of hunger, yes, it can make you hungry for success. It can make you driven. And so there's nothing wrong with a little bit of that. But when there's too much of it, and that's the problem with the world today is I'm just not seeing enough uh, <clears throat> payout. Uh, we put all this stuff into life and it seems to take more than, more than it gives. And so, yeah, I get a little tired of that. Um, but at the end of the day, I try not to let it change and shape who I am. I don't let it, I, I, I refuse to become a dick over it. You know, um, does that mean that I don't get negative sometimes? Of course. Does that mean that I don't, um, Sometimes say, fuck that guy and I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to take care of number one and fuck everybody else. Sometimes I get that way. But at the end of the day, it's not going to change the fact that I still care about people and I still want to build a tribe, an empath tribe of people who can be there for, for each other. That community that understands each other because we're all cut from the same cloth. That's, that's important, you know, um, you know, we got to have community. You know, at the end of the day, the loneliness of being a highly sensitive person and having depression is real. Uh, you know, it's kind of like Robin Williams once said, is that depression can make you feel lonely even when you're around tons of people. And the reason that is, is because we don't just want people in our life. We want the right people in our life. We want people to notice us. We want people to see us on from the inside out and not just from our physical attributes. You know, we want to be appreciated for who we are. And sometimes it can feel lonely in this world because there's just not enough people out there uh, uh, noticing our good qualities and traits or noticing our hard work and efforts. And so that's why, you guys, I'm not saying stop believing in the power of positivity or stop believing in the power of of uh, prayer or wish, wishing and, uh, you know, karma or whatever. Uh, I'm just saying, don't, don't depend on it entirely. Put in the work. Um, I, I used to put it this way. This is back when I used to be a Christian. I called it the God 401k plan. And what I meant by that was, is that when you put in half, God will put in half. He will meet you halfway. It's kind of like 401k, where when you, you put in half, uh, the company will match you at whatever percent. And so that's God's 401k plan. Now that I'm more of an atheist agnostic, I would call it the universe's 401k plan. When you put in effort, the universe will uh, tend to match. Now, whether that's true or not is beside the greater point that um, you can't give up entirely on hope and you, and we just don't understand the uh, cosmic uh, mystery of the universe enough to entirely discount that cool and awesome things happen uh, when we surrender ourselves to positivity and when we put in the hard work. Uh, sometimes good things just happen because it becomes, um, 
you know, it becomes that, uh, that, that, uh, uh, what do you call it? What's the word? It's like inertia. I call it success inertia. Positive success seems to happen more often and more frequent to people who have already built up a ton of success inertia. So that's why successful people seem to be exponentially more successful than us because they've built up inertia. You know, they, 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 it's like, it's like the difference between jumping off of a, a, a building and, and getting a running start first. When you run and then you jump, you get much further than if you just jumped uh, at a standstill. And that's what a success and positively inertia is. And so um, while I get jaded and cynical from time to time, I'm always trying to uh, use my positivity uh, as inertia, as success inertia, because when you, if you stop, you stop building up that inertia. And so, yes, I get depressed. Sometimes I get uh, discouraged on occasion, but at the end of the day, those little ruts, they're very, very, they're much smaller than they used to be. I used to get into funks for a week or two at a time. And now, you know, maybe a day, maybe a half day, maybe a couple days at most. Um, but at the end of the day, um, li- setting up camp in that depressed state, while it might feel good, and sometimes it helps us positively in a positive light, it can help us process our emotions and that can help us, um, you know, come to terms with things. Um, that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, we don't want to set up camp in that camp depression because um, we'll never get out of it and we'll start just going down the rabbit hole of negativity and eh, that never helped anyone, you know. You'll become like my dad who's just having pity parties all day, every day, drinking himself to death. It's not the way to go. So then I have here finding yourself after a bout of depression, hardship, or grief. Um, You know, some things just shock us to the core. And it, it does a change in us, sometimes for the better, sometimes not. But I truly believe that when you accept and acknowledge reality as it really is, for its grueling, uncompromising harshness, that we're all humans, and that some people just die, and some people seem to live forever, and some people succeed, while some just never seem to ever get off the starting block, um, it can seem and feel incredibly unfair. Um, so finding yourself after a bout of whatever you want to call it, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, just a funk, a rut, you know, um, it, it's, there's no clear cut answer, but I think what it boils down to is allow yourselves to get over these things a little bit faster. Um, when you put yourself in that funk and you give into it, uh, I used to give into it and allow myself to live in it as long as I possibly can. And I'd get so comfortable there that, you know, I'd make my life right there. That Here I am in camp sadness, and I would live there. And I would feel sorry for myself, and I'd feel bad, and I'd get bitter. And at the end of the day, um, you know, you could go that way weeks, months, and years even. Um, and I just don't feel like that's the way to go because negativity has a tendency to energetically, uh, you know, posit- we're positively and negatively charged. And when you negatively charge yourself, you invite chaos, you invite negativity. So that's, that's the case for positivity is that when you're more positive, uh, not only are you going to feel better, but, um, you're going to, 
you're going to attract positivity and good things. Um, that doesn't mean that the world ain't still shitty. And that doesn't mean that there aren't still a bunch of gatekeepers out there in charge of our lives and our world. Um, but at the end of the day, that's why we want to minimize the gatekeepers. Become your own boss. Become the boss of yourself. Um, I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow, but find an exit ramp, you guys. There's always a better way. And uh, unfortunately, until corporatism and corporate jobs, uh, you know, find and appreciate people for what they really are, they're getting better. You know, they're giving people their Thanksgiving days off. They're uh, paying a little bit better. Incremental progress, you guys. I always tell you, acknowledge incremental progress. But at the end of the day, um, capitalism <laughs> is an unrelenting bitch of a, a bitch of an asshole. So don't depend on it for anything. Depend on it through your own hard work and your own diligence. So it can feel, feel mighty lonely being depressed. And, and as an empath, as an introvert, I get lonely all the time. Sometimes I feel like there's nobody on my level. Uh, but then, you know, every once in a while, somebody will do or say something where I'm like, ah, right on, right the fuck on. You see me. Great. And that's all we really want in life, really, is not only do we want validation in who we are, validation in our skill, validation in our intellect, validation in the hard work we put in. Um, but at the end of the day, what it means is looking eye to eye into each other's eyes and going, I see you. I see you and I acknowledge you and I love what I see. That's all anybody really wants. And so if you want that from others, you got to make sure that you're doing it first. And when you start to do it, I do believe that more times than not, a lot of people will too. So we really have to live this life. You know, it's like um life is incredibly short because you don't know when you're going to die. If you knew you were going to die in three years, would you live it differently than if you uh, thought you were going to live another 20 years. I bet most people would. And so at the end of the day, we uh, there's this kind of like uh, balance. In some respects, we're depressed. In some respects, we're you know tired of hardship. We're tired of just punitive living. We're tired of bad jobs and mean people. Um, and so that can bum us out. But at the same time, we have to balance that against just how short life is and how much time do we really want to waste on negativity. So at the end of the day, uh, make a choice, my friend. And um, more times than not, we will choose uh, hope and community and faith and positivity over negativity because uh, because we're mortal and we're going to die someday. So we don't want to spend our lives miserable all the fucking time. And so that's what really snaps me out of it when I think about how short life is. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I get angry at people. Some people I push out of my life because they're not helpful to me. Some systems in place, like corporate jobs and like Lowe's, I just go, you know what? I'm never fucking working retail again because there's no way I'm ever going to, there's no way I'm ever going to come to terms with their injustice and inequality. So don't even try. Just go do something else, Brian, and you'll be fine. (laughs) So that's what I did. I'm happier for it. Much happier. So living in emergency mode, it can tear us down. It can tear us down our self-esteem. It can wear us out. It can wear us down. And um, here's a good analogy what it does. You know the story of Anne Frank, and I've used this analogy before. Sorry to repeat myself, but it's a good one. Is that Anne Frank was just this 14-year-old girl living in Germany. She was a Jew. 
And she had to live this really secretive life where she had to be hidden because the Jews were looking to collect all these people. It's awful, I know, and I won't go into it, but they were collecting these people and putting them in Auschwitz, and it was just fucking awful, right? Um, But how much did she feel like she was, like, And first of all, she probably thinks this is just the way the world is. How sad is it that a 14-year-old girl who's never hurt anybody has to live in a world where she thinks she's inherently wrong, that she's done something wrong when she's clearly done nothing wrong? That, to me, is a crime. But also, think about how she simply accepts the world that she's in. She doesn't know the world except for what she's been shown. And so at the end of the day, we do that. We accept the world we're in because we don't, we can't picture anything else. Here's the world you're in. It's fucked, but we'll make the best of it. And there you go. But at the end of the day, you guys, is that we have to have the imagination to see a better world, a world where we can get rid of fossil fuels and convert to cleaner technologies, a world where uh, corporations pay a living wage and perhaps uh, incentivize their employees to actually give a fuck. The, the reason why people don't give a fuck at their jobs anymore is because there's no incentive to, other than getting fired. And sometimes, who cares about getting fired when you're miserable, you know? So at the end of the day, um, you know, ex- seeing the world you live in, we have this tendency to acquiesce and to accept whatever life we're given, no matter how fucked it is. So I would ask you guys, please, Assess your life properly. Don't give in to bad attitudes. Don't give in to shitty jobs. Don't get into give in to shitty people. And don't give in to ugliness around you when you know there's a more beautiful and, and vibrant and bountiful world out there. You know it to be true. So don't, you know, that poor Anne Frank, she probably thought, God, what did I do? What did I do to piss these people off? You know, she didn't know any better. And she never heard a fly. And yet she had to accept the fact that the world was out to get her. And the only world she knew was from the window of an attic. If she even had a window, I'm not sure. But nah, fuck that shit. You know, when you work a shitty job for shitty pay, um, there's, you know, you can use them and you can pay your dues. And hopefully you can use that as a lily pad or a launching pad to something better. Everybody's got to start somewhere. My first job was at McDonald's. Um, I used it. Uh, to, to gain experience and it helped me get better cooking positions. It helped me become a better person. It builds character. So while we should always, uh, you know, try to, you know, live our lives, uh, appreciative and grateful that we, there's a, not everything's going to be perfect in the beginning. Um, there should be a natural progress to that. And when you stop seeing that natural progress, that means that you're barking up the wrong tree and it's time to make a choice. It's time to change our lives. And that's what I did. I was working as a chef. I saw nothing but glass ceilings. Nine times out of ten, I was actually more skilled and more intelligent than my employer. And so, you know what? When I wasn't getting paid or valued anymore, after several years of just being miserable and drinking myself half to death, I said, you know what? Not only am I quitting drinking, but I'm quitting this life. Fuck this shit. You know, and a lot of times we talk ourselves into doing things we don't want to do because we have no choice. So if you have a way to get out of a bad situation, fucking do it now. You got one life, you guys. Shit. Don't, don't let this world 
tell you your worth. You're worth so much more than that. And you know it. At the end of the day, you know it. So on social media, a lot of times I'll be like, hey, what's up, bitches? Hey, what's up, sluts? And I've gotten in trouble for that because Facebook doesn't have a sense of humor. And a lot of times they're like, ooh, you're calling people sluts. Facebook jail for you. And I'm saying it as a, um, as a joke. I'm saying it, um, as, as a, a cry for freedom. Right. Um, and so that's uh, something here I have written. Facebook rants and outbursts is my soul crying to be free. So you guys, just because I'm an introvert and just because I've become more mild mannered as I've gotten older doesn't mean that I don't have that inner light dying to get out. Um, when we imprison that part of us that wants to be free, um, we die on the inside and it, it takes away our gumption. It takes away our willpower. It, it uh, makes us feel disempowered and weak. And, uh, we have a tendency to, um, just get bullied and allow the world to bully us into submission and pound us into dirt. And then we just simply acquiesce to shitty standards and shitty things that just shouldn't be, you know? So the point I'm making is that when I, go on Facebook. I'm like, Hey, what's up guys? It doesn't mean that I'm always happy. Um, that's the thing is a lot of people, they see that and then they'll see a post about when I'm talking about my depression and they think I'm bipolar or something. It's like, no, no. When I'm saying, Hey, what's up guys? That's my soul, my passion trying to be free. You know, it's an expression of fun. It's an expression of freedom. It's an expression. It's a cry. It's a rally cry for passion and freedom. And so um, sometimes people take that as, oh, he's fine. He's happy. He's not depressed. You know, and that's why I like that meme where it says, this is what depression looks like. And it shows all these people who have committed suicide smiling because um, the, just because we go to work or just because we go somewhere and we can put on a smile and be happy temporarily doesn't mean that we're not struggling with some seriously fucked up deep shit. And so at the end of the day, what I would ask you guys is that don't, 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 don't incarcerate your soul. If your soul is crying to be free, it wants to soar. It wants to be bigger than life. But the world we're living in is just not, uh, you know, it's just not, it's not, big enough. It doesn't meet the challenge. It, it just can't seem, you know, our life is so petty and shitty and transactional that sometimes the world uh, can't, we're, we're, you know, it's like being a bright and shining star. And sometimes we burn too bright and we burn up. Um, but sometimes when we burn just the right amount of brightness, uh, we force the world to um, relent to our uh, willpower to our right to be to be powerful to be free and to be who we are and so don't don't acquiesce to that you know because i i think what it is is a lot of people in the world were like well i want credibility and so i'm going to act super serious all the time and i'm mr conservative i always act right i'm always super serious and uptight and and we do that not because we're feeling that. We do that because we want validation. We want others to take us seriously. We want others to see that we're uh, to, a force to be reckoned with, that we're valid, you know. And so sometimes we think that we get and earn respect by not 
misbehaving, by not horse playing around, by being uptight and serious all the time. And that's that's the that's the business corporate world out there is is that don't step out of line. I even have told you guys advice that if you want to get somewhere in life, don't step in out of line and let others fuck up around you. And by comparison, you will look good. Um, but that being said, um, that doesn't mean that I want you to act uptight and serious all the time. We we tend to misconstrue uh, seriousness with credibility. And sometimes there's very serious people who are full of shit, and there's very silly people who have very, very valid things to, to say. So don't misconstrue seriousness with credible. That's not always the case. Okay, I'll go on with the next topic here. So it really upsets me that um, we have in this world to... Um, Become successful in order to become successful. You know, it's like the statistic that uh, tall men are more successful than short men, that beautiful women are more successful than ugly women or less, more plain women. Sorry to say that. I don't mean ugly, but you know what I mean. Um, That's bullshit, you guys. So while we cannot deny who we're attracted to and while we cannot deny what we're attracted to, um, there's nothing wrong with that. We should always, always, always um, build success and build a world of success based on merit, not based on looks or symmetry of our face or big boobs or big muscles. Come on. So I keep saying that, but it really bugs me because, I mean, like I was telling my wife, like, Maybe I need to get jacked. Maybe I just need to get super jacked because it seems like really buff people always succeed. Rarely do you see a super buff guy who's like working as a janitor. He always finds a good situation. And I think it's because we tend to think that beauty or or good looks somehow uh, uh, means that that, that person's more valid. So don't do that. Don't do that. Don't give into those society things. That's, That's society speak. And we... We acquiesce to it because we think there's merit to it, but there isn't. Um, it's like, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, what's that woman's name? It reminds me of Susan Boyle. Remember that gal who was on, I think it was, um, uh, what's that damn show with uh, the singers? American Idol. I think she was on American Idol. And, um, and Susan Boyle clearly, you know, was as plain Jane as they come. She wasn't beautiful in the traditional sense, but her voice soared, baby. Um, and after a while, once you got to see who she was, she became beautiful. For whatever uh, physical attributes she didn't have, um, she made up for in a, a beautiful soul and, and a wonderful talent. And so all I would say, you guys, is do not give way to this idea that that beauty or or muscularity or or um, big boobies <laughs> equates to worthiness. And while we can't help how, who and what we're attracted to, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, at the end of the day, um, just please, you guys, help the underdogs. Be one of the helpers and carers in this world, and please do not acquiesce to this idea that. You know, because I think really honestly that uh, 
I think two thirds of success is based on looks and a third of it is based on talent and it should be the other way around or people who are talented. It shouldn't matter what they look like. Let's just say that. So please give credit where credit is due. I don't care if he's quasi fucking moto fucking support that guy because he's talented as fuck. So I've got more topics here, but uh, I don't want to go too, too long. Um, I've got a couple more here things I want to talk about. Um, so hardship and equality. Um, you know, hardship seems to come to those who were born into it. And it perpetuates a cycle of poverty. And um, and we tend to think that poor people uh, deserve it, that they didn't try hard enough. And while there's always going to be people out there who aren't trying and uh, aren't succeeding because they're not trying, um, there's so many people, poor people, who get scholarships and go to college and and prove every single day that where you come from is irrelevant to what your worth is. At the end of the day, your worth should be measured by the beauty in your heart and soul and the willpower and the passion in your uh, life and personality and not by uh, the fact that you grew up poor or whatever. And and I really think it, you know, being broke, living in emergency mode, it builds character. But after a while, if you didn't succeed and, um, you know, 20, 30 years of living in emergency mode will get you some bad attitudes, you know. So at the end of the day, give people a break, especially when they're in emergency mode. I think people in the workplace are just so mean and cruel to each other. They don't realize just how fucking hard it is to wake up every day and get dressed and go to a job that they don't love. And so just be nice to each other out there. Of course, there's going to be dicks out there and um, the ones that are being creeps and sociopaths. Yeah, stick it to them. But for those who are just, it's like uh, Rebecca... There's a gal who's working with her now. She used to work with me at Lowe's and her husband just passed away and she is a good person. We always hit it off. <laughs> I told Rebecca, please be nice to her. Be good to her. She deserves it. She's had a hard life, you know, and that's sincerely what I believe. So at the end of the day, um, success should come from raw talent. It should come from hard work, you know, and I use the example a lot. Um, Metallica versus a trained musician. I mean, you could have somebody from the uh, New York Philharmonic who's barely getting by, who has to take on a second job just to make it, while people like Metallica have made enough money for 40 lifetimes. And while I love Metallica, um, come on, you guys. You know, let's, again, let's support the underdogs. Scientists and uh, teachers um and and real people who put their heart and soul into their jobs should be just as rewarded as actors and actresses and uh, musicians so there you have it there's my little spiel on that um i, I there's more here but i, I want to end on this uh point is that um because this whole episode is really dedicated to Living in emergency mode. Um, living in emergency mode will do all kinds of things to you, you guys. Um, it, it, we don't have time for ourselves. 
We don't have time for uh, enrichment sometimes. Sometimes we um, fail to get better. Sometimes we, you know, I've talked about growing into a fine wine versus growing into sour grapes, you know. Um, sometimes when we're put in positions of work, 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 and no play, uh, you know, it, it's like the, uh, the the movie The Shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, and then we end up killing our whole family. So <laughs> don't do that. Um, but the point is, you guys, is that all work and no play makes a very, very dull person. And, um, you know, I use my mother as an example because she's a really good person. And I told her lately, we got into it a little bit, and I... I said something that I regret. I said, I, I, I love you and I care about you, but I don't always like you. I don't think I like you. Um, and then a little bit of time passed and I felt bad and I went up to her and I clarified it. I said, you know, it's just that I want you to be more spontaneous. I want you to go do fun things. I want you to laugh more. It seems like the only person you know how to laugh with is your best friend in Colorado and not with the people around you. And while, you know, her best friend has always had sort of the special combination to her heart, I get that and I, I'm okay with that. At the end of the day, um, she, she, she tends to sometimes not always, um, she just doesn't live her life uh, up, you know, she doesn't have a, a, a what's the word? Um, she doesn't seem to have a bucket list, you know, and I just, I would like to see her happier and more, more carefree. I'd like to see her more spontaneous. I'd like her to see her happy and laugh more and do more spontaneous things. And I want to see her joke and goof more. Um, as we get older, we just get so serious and uptight and we get so just put in. We have this tendency sometimes to let our frustrations and let our hardships and let our long history of bad jobs and bad people just turn us into assholes. And while there's nothing wrong with sort of sticking up for yourself and sticking it to those who deserve it, um, at the end of the day, um, it can it can really just put a real damper on our hearts. And it can callous our hearts to the point where we become sort of that which we, um, you know, we become the monsters that we are, are trying to battle. You know, we become the very thing that we're trying to fight against, you know. And so while at the end of the day, um, if somebody's more reserved, if somebody's more quiet and introverted, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not tell saying, oh, you got to change to appeal to who I think you should be. No, no, no. I just think that um, I want to see the people I love and care about. Because I think, you know, my mom, she worked for 30 years. She gave the bank the best years of her life. She gave it her all. She worked her fucking ass off you guys and i have to hand it to her that you know she was a really good mom in terms of being there for me she didn't have a drug habit she didn't neglect me she didn't abuse me she was there for me she spoiled me at christmas she was a good mom but because we were raised by my grandparents who were world war ii veterans who had survived the um the great depression um we weren't the most touchy-feely huggy family and I guess now that I'm growing into a more, uh, I don't know, 
emotionally available person, um, I kind of wish that we were. I want more hugs. I want more love. I want more expressiveness. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be all ooey gooey. It doesn't have to be corny, but you know, just, I'd like to see my family sort of just be a little bit more footloose and fancy free and, um, live this life uh, to the beat of your own drum. Because at the end of the day, I think it's social conformity that forces us all to sort of, um, back off from who we really are. And so when I go on Facebook, I'm like, what's up sluts? What's up bitches? I'm not saying it because I literally am calling you a bitch or a slut. I'm calling us all sluts. I'm trying to break the ice. I'm trying to proclaim something with my exuberance and joy that, hey, you guys, I'm happy and free. And gosh darn it, I want to share that with you, you know? And that's what I mean by, you know, just letting your truest self out. We, social conformity and jobs and trying to be taken seriously will really make us serious dullards. And I'm so, so tired, you guys, of living in a world full of dullards. Just these uptight attitudes, judgmental attitudes, people that just can't lighten up, can't loosen up. We're becoming a culture of entitlement. We're becoming a bunch of Karens, you guys, and fuck that. Now, with that being said, you know, like, for example, um, today I I got charged through my... Uh, podcast host an extra two dollars because i had um posted my episode on december 31st and then i published it on january 1st and they tried to charge me uh financially for um having pub uh, posted it on december 31st but then they're trying to uh, you know count that against my hours in january and i think that's them trying to eat their cake and have it too you know it's like wait wait this isn't ethical i why would you charge me in december but also charge me time in january it's isn't it one or the other so i had a problem with that so i don't have a problem with people correcting uh, injustices um if some company has fucked you over or didn't do your right yes be a karen but i feel like we're becoming too easily annoyed and perturbed by things that really at the end of the day don't amount to anything. And so that's what I'll leave you guys with. Um, my friend Emilio was a good guy, but the reason our friendship ended is because he was all excited about this brand new business of being a hairdresser. And he had this brand new Facebook page and, and, um, he, he was just all jazz and, and he thought I was coming from this place of hate uh, or negativity when I was just being careless. I mean, I was a much younger guy back then. I was making a silly weed reference because I thought it was funny, but it was very vague. I don't even think most people would even have gotten it. It was just a very vague reference. Um, but he took, took it to heart and, uh, he decided to end the friendship over it. And, um, I don't know whether or not, um, because I truly don't believe that he um, no longer required my friendship. I think what it is, some people just end friendships because when enough time passes, um, they don't need you anymore and uh, they'll get rid of anything they don't need anymore. Kind of like an old newspaper or an old pair of shoes. They they forget in the, t- in the moment the utility of how valuable that thing used to be. 
you know, old pair of shoes. Um, they're very comfortable. They they were our go-to shoes. And then one day they just became our shitty shoes when we get a new pair. And we tend to do that with people. I don't need you anymore, therefore, fuck off. And um, so at the end of the day, I could sit here and be upset that he ended our friendship over the most petty thing ever. I think that's just the world, you guys. I just, the you know, you've heard the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. You know, we put way too much... Uh, uh, we put way too much um, uh, credit on people who perhaps don't deserve it. Because, like I said, in this life, you only get out of life what you put into life. But that's also to say that if you – it's like George Carlin said. When you have uh, selfish, shitty people and you put them into s- selfish, shitty systems – what you're going to get out is selfish, shitty people. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but you you see the point. Is that some people, you know, get better with age and some people become worse with age. And that's why we lose friends and why we grow new friends and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it is so darn unfortunate that I lost a connection with him all over just some thing I did so impulsively, so instinctually. I wasn't trying to hurt him. My intention was not to hurt him or upset him, um, but he took it that way. And I tried to apologize and I tried to make it right, but he wasn't having it. And so our friendship ended and um, and and now he's fucking dead. And it makes me wonder if uh, perhaps had he been a little bit uh, more receptive to my uh, apology and forgiveness, uh, he might have lived a better quality of life, and uh, I don't know what the, the the last remaining years of his life were. And I hope I hope they were good. I really do. But the point is, you guys, is that we're all people, and at the end of the day, we all want to believe in magic. We all want to believe in uh, the magical mystery of the cosmos. We all want to believe in a higher power. That there's some cosmic order and justice to things. But at the end of the day, I mean, um, you see so many people dying. You see so many people going without. Um, I don't know whether or not um, the cosmos gives a single shit about us or not. I tend to believe that it does not. And that's why we have to watch our six. We have to watch our own backs, you guys. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to be selfish. And that doesn't mean that we have to become cruel. And that doesn't mean that we can't find... Uh, ways to help out in those ways that that we can and that's where we should uh, build our own tribes build connections with those who we can help um but don't be a sucker about it don't don't be an an enabler don't help people uh who are just going to turn around and fuck you later um but it, you know that's kind of like what i say like at the workforce you know um when i was working at lowe's hey will you Will you go load 2,000 pounds of concrete? No, I'm 45 years old, dude. I was, you know, almost 45. Uh, I'm 47 now. But um, no, no, I'm not going to break my back for $12 an hour. Fuck you. <laughs> so, you know, and then, oh, well, he's not dedicated. I'm dedicated to working tomorrow. If I bust my ass today and I break my back, guess what? You're not going to have an employee. 
So just know, you guys, where to draw the line between um, your efforts, um, but also know, have realistic expectations. But um, like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, what, what it boils down to is live in the love you have for others. Be a giver. Be a kind person. Be the change. Be the example that you want to see in the world. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get cranky. It doesn't mean we're not going to have bad days. It doesn't mean we're not going to get depressed from time to time. It's easy to give up on life. I, you know, I don't always see the help, man. I don't always see the opportunity. My ship ain't coming in. I mean, frankly, you guys are my gatekeepers. And I need you guys to accept me as I am and to see, oh, hey, he's putting out good content. You know, my friend Idris today, she's like, you know what? You say, you know, you think, you know, you worry about your uh, audience uh, not understanding uh, that, that perhaps they don't understand how important this is and they perhaps may or may not accept you. Um, but you've already helped people, she said. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I, I believe that I have helped people um, and I'm trying to continue helping people. And that's why I need you guys because when you support my Patreon and my YouTube channel that is getting built, it's coming along, um, you're going to help me and enable me not only to, to make a few bucks doing what I love, I probably won't get rich from it, <laughs> long shot, but, but I will be continue to feel like there's some magic in the world that when I'm myself, I'm being rewarded for my passion. I'm being rewarded for my creativity. I'm being rewarded for my intellectual property. And that is such a good feeling. And if you feel that way about yourself, then we should feel that way towards everyone. And so that's what I will leave you guys with. Is at the end of the day, uh, the love you feel for others, uh, the love you feel for your cat, the love you feel for your pet, the love you feel for your kids, or the love you feel for your mom or your grandma or your dad or whoever is the love we should try to give to everybody. That doesn't mean it's always deserved. It just means that when you come correct, people tend to reciprocate in kind. And so while I get upset over all the senseless drama in the world, I get upset over all the silly squabbles and um, all the terminations of friendships over the years that I've been through with these people um, I can honestly say that I didn't contribute to them. That was their shallowness. That was their pettiness. They were going through something and I thought I was being there as a good friend and, um, they didn't see it that way. So at the end of the day, you guys, you know, uh, we're not kind to others just for them. We're kind because it's the right way to be. We're setting an example and, um, it doesn't mean we're not going to get depressed. It doesn't mean we're not going to get pissed doesn't mean that we don't occasionally get cynical or nihilistic and say, fuck this world, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Everything sucks, Ugh! you know? But at the end of the day, we go through that so that we can process our grief and arrive at a place where we can use that passion of for our spirit to soar. We can use that freedom and that passion for life, that passion, that zeal for life, and, and, and put it into projects and, and put it into people so that we can help others and make a difference. And if we all did that and quit acquiescing to the selfish corporate world out there, 
I really think that we would all have a better life. Um, the kick, I call it kick the dog syndrome. When we, when, when we have, when we're mistreated at work, we come home and we mistreat those at, at home and we tend to abuse our wife or we tend to kick the dog. <laughs> and it's just an analogy. You guys don't get upset. Um, and then we tend to pay that forward, that negativity, that spitefulness, that hatefulness. And that's what we're allowing our world to become, you guys. We're letting the worst of the worst of us shape our world rather than letting the best of the best shape our world. And so I will end with this. Betty White was one of the best of the best. And if you have said something on Facebook, if you said something on social media about her being a good person, um, so did I, you know, frankly, because she was the best of the best. But if, if you're the kind of person that believes that Betty White was the best of the best, also realize that Betty White had a good life. She was an actress. She made good money and that allowed her to afford, afford her the freedom and the financial independence to be the good person that she is. If, if she was Betty White, the fucking Lowe's associate, she might have been a cranky motherfucker. She'd be like, her role in Lake Placid. She might not be so friendly. Um, hard to say. The point is, is that, um, we all ha- have a certain hierarchy of needs that have to be met before we can attain a greater level of consciousness and self awareness. And so when we don't achieve basic, uh, needs like food and shelter, we cannot then, uh, uh get to the point of, of self-actualization. And so we're all, that's what we're trying to do. We're all trying to shoot for self-actualization so that we can become an idealized version of ourselves and we can make the world a better place. And we do that by setting the right example. But we do live in a world full of shitty, shitty people who will not grow, who will not learn. And uh, we don't always know who those people are right at first. Even empaths, even psychics can't always tell when someone's going to turn on us. And so at the end of the day, what I would leave you with is um, uh, depression is natural. Depression is normal. Uh, being negative is natural and normal. Cynicism is natural and normal. And um, all I know is, you guys, is uh, yes, I, I worry about success, but I also... Uh, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy putting out good content for you guys. And I enjoy talking with you um, because it's therapeutic. And um, at the end of the day, um, I'm always going to try to be my best version for you, uh, even if I'm not always feeling it. Because at the end of the day, um, I honestly believe that eventually uh, my empath tribe will come, build it, and they will come. Um, And while I may not be everybody's cup of tea, um, I will not earn the uh, allegiance uh, and, and followers followership uh, of uh, tens of thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, um, because I, I I'm not I'm not going to pander down to people's uh, more primal instincts. It's easy to win a thousand followers when you're showing off your sexy, you know, bikini. <laughs> it's much harder to earn the, that many followers when it's intellectually co- uh, content. But I have nothing against those sexy ladies doing their thing. Perhaps it's empowering for them. All I mean, though, is is that we we got to get down to the root of caring about what's inside of each other, caring about the content of each other's character, and not uh, the um, 
not what's on the outside, because what's on the outside is circumstantial, it's happenstance, and not everybody can help how they look. So <laughs> it's like Sheldon, don't bring looks into this. <laughs> oh gosh. But anyways, that's what I got for you guys. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, I was going to actually take this week off. That's how down I'm feeling. Really feeling out of sorts, you guys. And uh, I hope uh, you'll forgive me for being imperfect. I hope you'll forgive me for getting into moods. Um, but like I said, Rebecca and I, we're not coming from a place of, you know, we live in a mansion and here I'm going to give you a bunch of advice because my life is perfect. I mean, it's it's easy for some of these influencers who have a ton of money to say, oh, yeah, you got to act like this and you got to be like this. Yeah, easy for you to say, rich guy. For us regular folks living in the trailer, man, with the real jobs and the real hassles, uh, it's not always easy to find positivity, but you do it because it's it's the spirit of goodness, you know? I do it to, to inhabit the spirit of what's right in this world. I do it for my grandmother. I do it for my grandfather. I do it for uh, uh, some of the good folks I've lost along the way. And I do it because at the end of the day, uh, I, I choose my battles. I just don't want to live a life of catastrophe and chaos and hate and anger and chaos. I choose a life uh, where uh, I align myself with the light. And that's what it's about. So thank you guys for joining me. I love you. And I will see you one more time this week. And have a good day. Thank you for joining me.